Hello everybody and welcome back for another episode of Away Days at Home. I'm David and joining us via satellite hot link in the Oslo studio is Andy. Andy, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Good here in my studio slash bedroom. <laughs> no one can see. This could be, mate, it could be whatever you want. It's like Eurovision when I dial into you. <laughs> yeah. So you no Oslo in the background at night. Yeah, yeah. I should I should do something to try and make this look a little bit better. But I'm I'm moving house in a few weeks, so you'll get some better scenery then. Well, I'm looking forward to that because you did say that you're kitting it out. You're putting a green screen in, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the. <laughs> we'll move this from just a, a purely audio format to a multimedia format. Yeah, I'm gonna like I'm skiing down a hill as I'm talking about how great Saints yeah. are. Bobsley, <laughs> yeah, just you sat with a helmet on, <laughs> moving your head back and forward. How I, okay? The thing that all the listeners want to know: How is the weather in Oslo? How is January? Oh uh, yeah, it's alright. We had a we had a ton of snow over Christmas and sort of little bits in very early Jan. It's not been too much recently, but there's still. I went for a walk through the park yesterday, and I'm still walking through a foot of snow because it just it don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's getting, we've got a couple of like warmer days coming. So hopefully it sort of melts away a bit. Cause what happens is you get the snow, then the temperature drops below zero and it all freezes on the pavements. Obviously here, they got a very good system for like gritting roads and making things as like, you know, as, as easy as possible to use, but you, you always find those areas that are just not been gritted or it's like walking across an ice rink. It's a, it's a nightmare. I think however many years of training Norwegians have had, they, they still struggle on it. So there's no surprise I am as well. Right. So it's not as if they've got some, like, the grip with your toes technique. No, where they're all they like... have a technique. They, they basically, you, they say walk like a penguin. So very small steps like this, like shuffling. <laughs> and it, it, like, it does work. But if you hit, if you hit that ice that just looks like glass, you, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. And especially if you're trying to walk up a hill, like I don't know how they do it. I just slide back down. <laughs> have you seen the there was a, a tiktok went viral i think he's english it's like a family the mum's marching ahead and her sons are behind her and the sons are like early 20s maybe but they're, they're obviously walking through the countryside and like up a hill or something they're going they're obviously going from a to b you don't see the a you don't see the b you just see the middle the midpoint and it's all mud right and it's really muddy but the guy he must be wearing, I don't know, what kind of trainers he's wearing. No grip. Right? No grip on this mud. So it's like it's like what you're saying about the ice. He's doing this on the mud. And it's like Bambi on ice, <laughs> right? And he's he's, he's he's managing to keep his balance and his engines and that. And it's the road is just all muddy. As if like tractors and stuff had been through it, like all dug up. But on the, on the side is like a grass bank. So you think to yourself, stand on the grass. Like it dips down, but just stand on the grass and he's walking and then he does stand in the grass and you notice the grass just falls away. Right? So it's like, it's an illusion of safety, right? So he's like, right. Then he makes this weird decision to jump over the road from one side to the other. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, oh God, this is where the comedy's going to be. He's going to jump, slip and hit his face or something in the mud. He makes it over. And the end's in sight. The mum started kind of going up the road that's curving up the hill. And he gets there. 
And he, he just says something and he turns and he goes, oh, for God's sake. And he, it's like on ice. His feet start slipping, shuffling like in a cartoon. And he goes backwards and he falls right a little bit on his side. But he manages to get up. But it's downhill. He starts sliding down the hill. Just what you were saying about walking up the hill. He's sliding down the hill. <laughs> he manages to like, he's stuck. His brother's videoing it. His brother's pissing himself laughing. He jumps up the, the verge. The guy that's further down the hill. And he's like, oh, God. Turned around. He's like, God, look at my back. And the second he sees back, he just goes arse over to it and falls down the verge right into it on his ass in the back. He sat in the mud like a pig and shit. <laughs> gets up and he just shouts to his mum, Mum, we have to go back. We have to go back. And it just ends. It's fucking, it's, it's like one of those long form pieces of comedy that is like in any form you watch. Talking about like people going up on ice, it's hilarious to watch somebody, no matter what, fall on their ass. This was just dragged out. This was literally dragged out, like me telling this story that one for <laughs> time. <laughs> just watching this guy fall on it. You'll see it 100%. It's, it's gone viral everywhere. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look for it. It sounds very it framed. It, it's very much, it feels almost like. Um, uh, allegory of the current conservative government denying parties <laughs> like nope nope no oh, he's on his ass now yeah he's covered in shit oh, that's the worst thing getting out nope, it gets worse but we've got politics here for you listeners we've got politics it's quite um, good analogy, don't need to say much more the only, the, the only um, difference is, is the political pig will shake off the mud and just carry on oh no it's not even shake it off it just doesn't care he's my dude yeah. <laughs> just keep marching on Trying his hardest, you know. That's that's not acceptable for a prime minister. As long as he's trying. <laughs> versus versus the French, where it's like, I have a problem, therefore I will just piss everybody off who doesn't see it as a problem. Um, <laughs> very different. Very different approaches. But anyway, we're not here to talk about mud or the weather or the absolute arsehole in government in the UK. We are here to talk about football and Andy, it's been a fabulous week for you. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, new owners have come in. Like I said on the last uh, the last chat we had, everything sort of looking positive in terms of what I'd read about the owner, his ambition, his business, his former businesses, kind of you know the people he's bought on board, all all of that sort of thing. Um, and then yeah, we went and spanked Brentford um, last night. Was it? Yeah. Um, it's a great game. Um, like massive win in terms of points on the board. Yeah, massive win. De- definitely in terms of points on the board. Um, I think we're still we're still something like seven or eight points behind where we were at this point last season. But then we had that disastrous second half of the season. Whereas this this season feels sort of the opposite. The first half wasn't a disaster, but we really feel like there's things have like clicked and we've turned a corner a bit now and you know we can sort of push on and get a, a reasonable kind of points haul um and a you know a sort of a mid table finish whether that's sort of top of top of the bottom half or bottom of the top half um but yeah the the performance again against Brentford was it was it was so good it's like it's been for the last i guess sort of four or five games in all competition now ever since Arsenal beat us um, we went and drew with Palace 2-2 and the fact that we came back from giving a, a lead away and finally didn't win the game but 
we scored more than one goal and we showed some grit and determination, which just hadn't been there all season. And then after that, we just kept getting decent result after decent result. We, you know, point against Spurs, which I think if we'd had 11 on the pitch, we would have beaten them. We were far better than them in that first half. West Ham, we turned over pretty comfortably. Brentford, we just, I mean, they were awful. Don't get me wrong. Their the defence all over the place. I don't know what Thomas Frank had set them up to do. I th- I think he thought we were going to play with four at the back and play the four-two-two-two like we yeah. normally do. But do you think he was? They were too. They were too overconfident in what they thought you were going to do. Yeah, I think I think so. And then... I think so because we swapped to that formation with about fifteen minutes to go, um, and they immediately got a couple of chances. And I, th- I think what was strange is that. He must have seen that we lined up with five at the back, but he didn't have a plan B to go to. And I, if, if I was yeah. a Brentford fan, I'd be a bit worried about that. They just kept playing the same game. That's what game. I was going to ask. It doesn't seem like they are... When it works for them, it works. But when it doesn't, it's because they don't have a plan B. Yeah, exactly. It's because they're not reactive. Whereas I think you're seeing... Granted, you guys have have started adapting but your team as you're saying is more fluid now there's a fluidity to your team approach and in, in that the players know the patterns and the passing movements exactly. and it's been well coached and it's been drilled so they if they switch if they switch if they switch the formation it's not a here's something brand new it's more like i'm just asking you to stand there on that the players still know where each other are they know the movements whereas for brentford it seems very much that they play one way if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. When it works, it's very good. And when it doesn't work, then they kind of... It's almost like they throw in the towel a little bit and go, right, well, it's not working tonight. That's Especially fine. away from home. I think apart from the beginning of the season, their their record away from home is absolutely atrocious. Um, uh, yeah, they, they were so one-dimensional. Uh, we, we never normally... We never normally try and get the ball forward as quickly as what we did in this game. And it's because they had such a high line um, that we were able to we were able to counter attack against comfortably. Two of the goals we scored were were purely because they were defending, like their back line was in our half. Like they couldn't have played us offside. We just had to put a fast player on the halfway line and throw on goal. It was it was ridiculous. I've only seen bits and pieces like the goals and stuff, but I read that um, Ayer was quite culpable. Brentford, the, none of their backline was very good. He wasn't the worst though. Uh, Jansen will, right. will want to forget that he played in that game. I'd, I'd be surprised if he has a worst game in his career. He was terrible. Um, there's a fellow midfield as well who I can't remember his name because I literally don't remember him doing anything in the game. As in, I don't remember him touching the ball. Um, I think he got taken off in the second half. But they just they just collectively had an absolute mare. Even going forward, their, their, their passing was was awful. They misplaced so many passes. Their goal was great. Really nice volley sliced into the corner. But um, other than that, they they were so shit. Um, but we we were very good as well. You know, we did we didn't just win because they weren't good. We definitely um, manager to manager. You know, I think Ralph won completely out. Um, don't know what the word is, but his tactics were sort of, you know, miles ahead of, of, of Thomas Franks and clearly saw what they were going to do and, you know, counted to um, to sort of take that into effect. And what was interesting for me with that was I still thought we were going to line up with four at the back because the sort of injuries and COVID and all the rest of it we've got at the moment. 
the, the strongest team on paper probably would have had Ward Prowse at right back, Salasu and one of the others at centre back, and then Perraud at left back. Whereas he went with Perraud as a left wing back, Teller as a right wing back, and then three established centre backs in the middle. And like it threw me, I think it threw quite a lot of the fans, and it definitely threw Brentford. They just didn't know what to do with it. Obviously, Nathan Teller's not a defender, but the fact we then had him coming forward to join the attack with with Redmond, with uh, Broya, with Ward yeah. Prowse, it just overwhelmed them. But that must be, from your point of view as a, a Saints fan, that must be exciting to see see that kind of, obviously see it come off when he does yeah. it. You don't want people just, you don't want Tinker Man style of just changing no, of stuff course. for the sake of it. But at the same time, now that you're in a position where he obviously feels comfortable enough to, to ask players to play out of position, to hold roles, to do different things, which then allows teams to then, well, allows Southampton to go into games and teams maybe not know what's going to come. Yeah, I think so. And look, we've we've played we've played a back five in a few games this season, and during some games we've switched formation between from a five to a four or, or the other way around. Uh, when it's when it's been needed, so it's not it's not brand new, but it's good to see the players adapting to it. Like one thing Ralph's always said and been quite vocal about is he wants players that can play in a multitude of positions and that can understand different roles on the pitch. You don't just want a player that is just a centre forward or just a winger or just an attacking midfielder. You want them to be able to play a second position, a second role, a third position, a third role, and that's that's what these guys have shown over the last four or five games we you know like most teams we've had to change our starting 11 so much because of the COVID situation and all the injuries people are getting because they're playing so many games close together um but we've we've been able to bring players in who maybe you don't even go into the the role you'd expect and they've done such a great job um the, the fact we had sort of the three in midfield um which is Ward Prowse, Romeo and Diallo they that was the main reason we won the game aside from Brentford's ridiculous high line, like the the way those three combined and played was was fantastic. Like Ward Prowse was probably the best player on the pitch, but I think Romeo completely controlled the pace of the game. Um, Diallo was just his passing was exceptional. Um, like all th- those three were were sort of the heartbeat of everything we were doing. Um, so like I, I you know I like the four two 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 formation. I, I've not always liked it. But it's when it's good, it's good. But it's nice to see what we yeah. can do with that with that wing back system as well. And especially if you think like Nathan Teller's not going to play wing back very often. Once we've got Carl Walker Peters back and Livermento back from injury, you know that that system could be utilized a bit more because those guys in those positions are going to be going to be pretty good. And it makes sense for to have a well, it's a back three and a back five, isn't yeah. it? If it's yeah, playing yeah. with the the wires. Um but that gives you it secures the back. It takes a lot of pressure off, and then it gives you the opportunity to break. So when you're playing bigger teams, rather than it being the flat back four, you now have a bit more kind of compact, yeah, rigidness about your back line. Which then, when the opportunity comes, you have the wing backs to go to ball carry almost, get the ball out instead of just hoofing it. Exactly. Up the pitch. And the, the wing backs typically for us do that. Our full backs always get forward a lot. The the good thing is is we have like 
we always have the midfield that can drop back into those those wide positions like Ward Prowse and uh, and Diallo have got such an engine on them that they can they can cover left and right if they need to and they can cover so much that actually you know one of the more ball playing center backs can come further up the pitch like Salas who gets forward a lot with the ball even Bednarak at times gets forward a lot with the ball as well um so just having that like interchangeability between positions and like I said players that are capable to slot into other roles and positions just gives you a lot of like fluidity that I've not really seen us have so much before so now that that's kind of clicking you'd hope all right this season will go on hopefully have a you know safe end of the season a reasonable finish but that that combination of things combined with the fact that we shouldn't have to sell all of our best players now sure some will still go but then we can get in some some better quality of players as well like yeah. makes next season quite exciting already is there any now that we've had a bit of time but what halfway through the window almost mm. is there any any position that you would you would like to see filled before the end of the before the end of the window like uh, or a player that's caught your eye and you thought you know what would he'd do it he'd do as a ton probably only in the goalkeeper position but to be honest I, I i still think it's a gamble to to replace such a key position midway through the season like, i mean we've we've kind of done it already in in replacing mccarthy with forson both those guys have got their faults like like i've said many times before forster looks a lot more confident than mccarthy though and he's his position is so much better. Yeah, he's a bit slow, but his position gets him out of trouble. He made a couple of awesome saves actually the other night. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if I'd want to bring a keeper in in January, or if I'd wait till the summer we can like integrate them properly. Um, I think at the back we're we're probably all right for now, um, as long as we don't get any injuries. Midfield looks pretty well covered. I think the only one you'd like to see come in and. You'd, you'd do it in January because it's not a risky one, is to get a num- another number 10. Um, we need And a number 10 in what what, what kind of number 10 are you saying when you're saying that? So... Are you talking about creative number 10? Are you talking about like a more attacking midfielder, box to bot? Like... I guess atta- attacking, attacking mid, but also the creativity, but with that as well, someone that can play wide. Um... Because they need to be able to do all of that if they're going to fit in. Basically, I want another Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, um, Stuart enough. Armstrong's our, our best player in that position. He's not the fastest, but he can still play out wide. Like like how Beckham used to play wide right for Man United. And I'm not saying Stuart Armstrong's David Beckham, but uh, <laughs> neither of them are blessed with the greatest pace, but they don't need it because they create space for themselves. But just by being great footballers, um, yeah, they can put a ball in the box, can find a pass that other people won't find, and can bring others into the game. That's what I like about Armstrong. I think we we need another, we need another player. I like do that. think, I do think Armstrong's massively underrated in terms of. I think he's similar to Steve Davis, per se, yeah. in terms of how good he actually is as a player. When he played for Celtic, it was very good. I always think of um, Steve Davis when I when I think of Armstrong, and. He was the one player I was surprised that he's. I'm surprised he stayed at Saints as long because I always thought Armstrong would end up in Germany. Yeah, he's a he very always struck me as a Yeah, he reminded me of someone that would love the. He, he also strikes me as being someone that's a bit like Steve Davis, intelligent. Mm-hmm. 
like more than your average your average footballer. We're not talking Graham Lasso here, but we're talking like, <laughs> you know, someone that understands the game is probably going to go into some sort of coaching, managerial path when he's finished, commands respect to the dressing room, etc., and probably sees himself going, I want to test myself in that league mm. because I think I will learn X, Y, Z. I'm not going to say like Paul Lambert because Paul Lambert got one of the first Bosman free transfers and ended up at Dortmund of all places and everybody was shocked. I don't think Paul Lambert ever had that in his yeah. <laughs> his his roadmap of his career. Um, and then he won, obviously won the European Cup with Dortmund, but I think Armstrong strikes me as that type of player. However, those types of players are really hard to find. Like, yeah, there's not many of them. No, um, you're right. the only one I would... we won't find like another Stuart Armstrong exactly, but we need we need someone that's able to create because if if I just quickly rattle through the others we've got that that will that will be considered for a position that Armstrong's playing in, uh, no matter what our formation or strategy is, you've got. Redmond, who's, to be honest, has been a revelation this season. Uh, I think he's top number of assists for us in the league. He looks a different player, so much more confident. If he could just add a couple of goals to his game, um, I'd be very happy with with keeping him in the team for a couple more years if he keeps this level. He's honestly has been, it's probably the best season he's had for us, I think. Um, so you've got Redmond, who's on, on the team sheet, probably one of the first names at the moment. Um, you've got Teller, who's had a slow start to the season. He didn't get played too much, but it's now sort of forced his way in. He's clearly still quite raw, um, but got a hell of a lot of potential. And he's, he's I think he's going to be a great player for us. He just needs to add a bit more end product to his game. Um, Ilianusi, who's come on massively this season as well. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to start every game for us, but he's going to get his fair share of matches. Um, and then you can even consider like Adam Armstrong, who is kind of playing second fiddle now to 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 Breuer and I think we'll probably be utilised in, in other roles to get him in into the team as well. Um and then you've got Theo Walcott who I've, I mean the the further he is from the starting eleven the better. Um I was gonna say he's I don't know why we he's signed a... him. I, I really don't know why we signed him. I don't know it can't be a sentimental signing. It doesn't make any sense. Like for the salary we're gonna be paying him we could probably have bought in two other players. I know he was a free transfer, but yeah, maybe there's some great stuff he's doing on the training pitch with the younger players. He's been through that academy. Like I understand that side of it, but it just, he's I'm going to take a tangent here, just where you're talking about Walcott and academy and that. Have you seen that, obviously Gareth Bale's out of contract at the end of this season? He's been linked with us and it's just ridiculous. And it, but the reason why is because he is, he obviously if, if Wales qualify the World Cup, which would mean that if Scotland and them both win their semi-final, they play each other. So it's a playoff to see who. I'm pretty sure it's Scotland versus Wales. It would be to yeah, see who qualifies. Be. Um, so say that happens and Wales qualify, he's willing apparently to drop down as much as to a championship yeah, Cardiff, club, Swansea, so just to play. So then I'm like, well, Cardiff, Swansea, okay, we'll go to a Welsh club, or Saints. And would 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 he be someone? And I've I've seen I've not seen any of this linkage. Like so, you've obviously seen it somewhere. But would it be this came this came from a catalog? Would it be the worst outlet, idea? Uh, which had absolutely no sources in the article. 
So you think it's a bit like it was me? I think, uh, yeah, you could have written the same thing. It would have as much credibility, I think. Senior, Senior Davy? Yeah, exactly. Senior Middleton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I think it's a load of rubbish. It, he's He strikes me as a guy that's done with football. He just wants to go and play in the World Cup. Um, and I don't. Yeah, he's over it. He he's he done is, it. I, he has done it. I just don't. I don't he's, know. He, but he literally he literally completed football. When you look at it, he went to the world's arguably the world's biggest club. He scored an overhead scissor kick in the Champions League <laughs> final. He single handedly pulled Wales into their first major tournament in God knows how many years. He's won the league. He's won El Clasico's. He's yeah, he, he completed it. Like, see, I'd argue, granted, I'd argue he, he hasn't. He's won the Liga. Like, I mean, you got a fifty-fifty chance of winning La Liga um, if you join one of those two top teams. Uh, yeah, but he's still got to do it, and he did it. Yeah, he did it. Like, he scored. I, I got when my ferry off. We went to Madrid, and we went to a game, and he picked the ball up on the. I think it was Valladolid they were playing. Picked the ball up in the halfway line and ran and beat four men and scored and I've never to this day that game I'll never forget the game they had him Ronaldo and um, Benzema and De Maria all playing and the speed that they moved the ball at and they would ping the ball down the line they'd be at the 18 yard line and they would ping the ball to the byline no other players are catching that ball that ball's out for a goal kick they would catch it boom whip it in and I think you can hear Alfie in the background, he's he's like it was amazing. You've told me this story before, um, but the power and the pace and that it wasn't he playing against it was like La Liga, but it's not a it's not an easy league. The players can be quite dirty and bring you down, and yeah. you need to be physical and you've got to kind of adapt to it. But I think in my in my viewpoint, I think he would be. I think it'd be disruptive, but I don't think it would be a Ronaldo disruption in sorts. I I would I would have him come to Southampton if he agreed to be on like I don't know thirty grand a week or something like that. I think yeah, if he'd come in on a small salary, I would I would take it. But I I worry that he would be too much of a distraction. We don't typically sign old players, which is why it confused the hell out of me when we signed Theo Walcott. For Walcott, yeah. Um, I just don't... I, look, you don't know what's true and what's not, but you read so much negative stuff about Gareth Bale. Some of it's got to have come from somewhere, and I just don't think we'd want that sort of character around, no matter how good a player he is. But is any, is any of that negativity came when he's been in Britain? Or has it only been in, when he's in Spain from the Spanish press? Because th- his teammates, his teammates seem to all love him. Yeah, I think it's only come from the Spanish, but, but I mean, he doesn't really help himself, does he? He spends next to no time in Spain. He's on the golf course all the time, which is very well reported. Um, he's clearly fallen out with the Madrid board years ago, and has just stayed there to to milk them. Well, not milk them; they've given him the money, like it's his to take, it's his contract, but. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that whole situation that just has never sat well with me. And, you know, I I loved watching him come through in that breakthrough season he had for us when he was 17. He was he was 
awesome. Like it was clear he was going to be an incredible player. And then we got absolutely mugged off by how much Spurs gave us because we were on the verge of bankruptcy. We we lost him for seven million plus Tommy Forecast. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tommy Forecast, but no. he was a goalkeeper at Spurs, never played a game for them, came to Saints as the part X plus seven mil, never played a game for Saints either. When we got promoted out of League One, I I was there. I me- I remember I remember him celebrating like with the rest of the players, like he had just fucking won something, and it was <laughs> so embarrassing to watch. We we loaned him out to like eighth tier teams, and I mean, he he conceded six on his debut once, and they sent him back. I think a few games later, like it was the fact that we got him in return for Gareth Bale was disgusting. Um, what they thought he was valued at the time, I have absolutely no idea. But uh, yeah, Tommy Forecast. But yeah, Gareth Bale. I. It seems stupid to say I wouldn't want him, but I. I wouldn't. I. I, I never like a quick fix in football anyway, and like I like our gradual progression at the moment. I like where we're heading, and I, I yeah. just. We don't. Be we too don't need a statement signing. That's not what. That's not where we're going. That's not the kind of club we are. Um, I've said it now. Next week we'll announce Bale, but I like I really don't think we need it. Well, you were saying you need a number ten, someone with football and brain, someone that knows yeah. how to play passes and see space. Teddy Sheringham still out there. I'll take Teddy, hundred percent. Even you know? though he played for Portsmouth, I'll take Teddy Sheringham. Zero pace. <laughs> yeah, but he's always had zero but, pace. That's the thing. But a footballing brain. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's a few players around at the moment. Uh, there's a there's a couple that could be interesting. I just don't know if they'll happen in, in January. The the fellow uh, Carvalho at Fulham is one that's been mentioned a couple of times. And I know he's out of contract in the summer. So while I wonder if cheeky bid for him in January, maybe, but I mean, Fulham are probably coming back up anyway. So they'll be thinking they want to keep hold of him to to make sure they, they get all the way up. But um, yeah, he's, what, he's one I'd have a look at. There's, there's a couple in the French League I think we'll look at because we seem to love the French League. Um, and then there's a, oh, I cannot remember his name. There's a fella playing for Frankfurt who's got a mad number of assists and like chances created this season who fits into that that role. He's about 25 years old. His name is completely gone. But um, he's the kind of mould of player that I, I think we'll, we'll be looking at. But we'll see. That that's the, that's the only kind of signing I would go for in January though. Unless someone told me we could get... Um, like Dean Henderson on a, on a permanent from United or Sam Johnson on a permanent from West Brom. That, that's the only way I'd look at a goalkeeper. If we could get in now and get them before someone else gets them in the summer. Yeah. Because we goalkeeper in the summer is going to be probably the number one, um, the number one move we need to make. Forces out of contract. He's not going to sign a new one because we're not going to match his current contract, which is about 110 grand a week. And McCarthy's getting a new contract hopefully to be our number two because he, he can't be our number one next season. Well, talking about transfers, it's been a busy old week since we last updated it, but we did get, believe it or not, we got on, if you'd listened to us on Spotify, you may occasionally see the odd question pop up from us that we set. And last week we set the question of best winter transfer. Because we'd asked it, and I think Andy, you you kind of struggled. It was on the spot. I kind of put it, put you on the spot, and you, you struggled. Um, but we actually got a reply from someone. Bloody hell! Called 
called Stated Case. I don't know. I don't know who Stated Case is, but Stated Case, you're getting a shout out. And they replied, because I don't know if it's a boy, a girl, or any non-gender specific person. So they stated January 2001, Yari Lippmann signing for Liverpool on a free from Barcelona. Definitely the big signing that surprised me the most and helps that I was in my teens and not massively jaded like now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's a good shout. Let's, let's be honest. Um, I, I remember bits of, of, of Lippmann and when he, when he signed for Liverpool. And it, uh, he's another one I think probably was lacking a bit of pace as well. But it was some player. Like one of those like naturally gifted attacking creative footballers. It, it, it reminded when I read that it reminded us of me of when Rangers signed. I think it was winter time. So shot at Avaladze. Oh yes. again, ex Ajax. What a player! Looked like Mister Bean. But <laughs> yeah, he did. Unbelievable man! Like what a player he was. One one of my mates but, uh, back home reminded me the day after we did that 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 podcast that Southampton did make one good January signing, which was Marek Saganowski, Polish centre forward, small fella. Um, he signed for us when, I th- it must have been when we were in the championship, like before we went down to League One. We got him on loan and he banged in like six goals in his first seven games. So then we we signed him up permanently. Um, I think he scored a hat-trick against Wolves. We beat him like 6-0. Um, and yeah, we I, I tried to think afterwards, is there anyone better than that? But Saganowski, people loved him. Like he was a proper fan's favorite. And uh, I was a bit disappointed that I had, had forgot about that, like golden patch he had when he, <laughs> when he joined us on, on loan. Cause he, well, he I did, I did put you on, I did put you on the spot. You so did, but it was, it a, was it was a it great was. question though. Um, but yeah, Marek Saganowski was, was some player. He's, uh, I'll give you a, a fact about Saganowski. I'll say fact. I'm fairly certain this is true. Apparently, Marek Saganowski is the reason why all Polish footballers or all footballers in the Polish league have it written into their contract that they are not allowed to drive a motorcycle because he was driving a motorcycle when he was 17, 18, 19 years old, had quite a bad crash and they thought it was going to end his career. And he was expected to be like the next big thing in Polish football and still had a good career, but maybe not to the level that uh, that they thought he would, and it, it got put down to his motorcycle accident. Well, let's ask um, Lewandowski next week when he comes on the show as our first <laughs> guest. <laughs> See if you can get Gregor's Raziak on as well. It'd be nice to get two two yeah. poles. I was going to say Alpha Boric, but absolutely not. Oh, no, I know um, I know you don't, and I know I know no, the reason why. No, but, yeah. Absolutely not. Um, not in that case. Well, talking about like influential, legendary signings. Newcastle made one. <laughs> and I'm looking at the headline right now and on the Guardian website and it's got um, it's got Wood, Chris Wood, that's the name yeah, of it, Chris, Chris Wood. Wood. Yeah. Um, pointing to the back of his shot, footballer pose, Wood 20, and it says the headline is, Wood admits he never imagined £25 million release fee being paid. Mate, <laughs> you're not alone in that one. <laughs> I don't think there's a single person... He's the most expensive thirty-year-old in the Premier League's history. Is that right? Yep. That's a nice stat. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad signing. 
I actually think it's a good signing. I think it's a sensible signing. Uh, I'm really surprised that that Eddie Howe has convinced um, convinced these new owners that this is the direction that they should immediately go in. I think it's really astute and like, yeah, we can make fun of the fact that they've just signed Burnley centre forward, thirty year old for twenty five mil. <laughs> like, come on! No, it's like I, a cheat code on Football Manager. You take over someone else's club and spend the money to give Burnley twenty five million. I, 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 to- I totally get it, but Chris Woods a really good centre forward. His career records like one in one goal every three games, I think, um, which he's he's matched uh, in the Premier League as well. He's in his fifth season at Burnley, he's not having a great season this year, but his previous four seasons, he's hit double figures every season in the league. And that's with, that's in, with no disrespect, that's in Burnley's team who don't create a lot of chances. Um, they've just, Newcastle have just signed like a fullback who's probably one of the best crosses of the ball in England in Kieran Trippier. It's obvious what they're going to be doing. Yeah, but it said that was I saw a Newcastle fan tweet that, and that you could tell he was like grasping for something to hold on to, and he was yeah. like, "We put thirty bo- balls into the box the last game, and there was no one there. Wood is the missing piece of the jigsaw." And I'm like, "See if it was that if that was the case, why did you know just phone up Andy Carroll, get Andy Carroll back? Oh God, he's no. on a purple <laughs> patch." But you know what I mean? I think I'm trying to understand it. I think. There's a there's a pragmatism in the signings and that if they go down, these guys know the league. Yep. They're going into hundred percent. Trip Trippier gets it. Wood will understand it. he's played in it. Um they're both hard players as well. Uh, but also they're willing to take the chance because the payday they're on yeah, yeah. is their last big payday. Versus if you try and sign maybe how can I put Better players at a younger age, they don't want to risk jeopardize their career to go down and play in the championship. No, absolutely not. Um, I think I think they're both shrewd signings, and the the Trippier one, people are a bit more accepting of because he's still an England international. Chris Wood's still a New Zealand international. He's actually vice captain. He in must New be. Zealand he must well. be. He must be the most expensive New Zealand player ever. He probably is. I'm not sure how much he really cost West Ham all those years ago, but probably wasn't 25 million. Who was the other one? Nel- was it Nelson, the fullback? Oh, Ryan Nelson. Half? Yeah, he, he never, Ryan never Nelson. went for anything much. Good um, player, though. Uh, but yeah, Chris Wood's a good signing. In my in my opinion, I think he's I think he's going to be a really good signing for them. And when Callum Wilson comes back as well, it gives them competition for the position up, up top, which they've not had before because... Dwight Gale and Callum Wilson are not on the same level um, and Joe Linton is such a bad striker that Eddie Howe's turned him into a good midfielder um, <laughs> so they, they had to get a centre forward and yeah Chris Wood gives them an alternative because you can play a different style of football when you've got him on either with Wilson or instead of Wilson um, it gives him a, a plan B or a plan C or whatever and he's a proven goal scorer he's scored goals in the Premier League he's going to be let's see Let's say they stay up. He's going to be a very expensive bench warmer next season. Yeah, he will be, but they're not going to care about that because if they stay up, the, the caliber of player they're going to be getting is, is yeah. going to be another level, I would have thought. So that's us covered the Newcastle chat. Now let's move on to Stevie G making moves. So every time I hear this guy's name pronounced, I say it every week and I get it wrong. Ding, ding, dingy, <laughs> ding. 
thing. I heard it on Sky Sports News the other day, and I was like, I've never heard it pronounced that way either. I think it's as simple as French... Dean. Dean. Fucking, you know, seven years of French. <laughs> <laughs> so let's call him Dean, right? Big Dean. So Dean joins Villa in the end, um, which kind of came... We weren't, we weren't talking about Villa last week, were we, for him? Mm. We were talking about Newcastle. We were talking about maybe Chelsea were linked. I don't think, I think we Villa, Villa, no. Because Villa we, were linked if we with... we mentioned Villa, he wouldn't have gone there. Yeah, I think he, I think Villa were heavily linked with Hickey. Yeah, that's the right. The Scottish fullback. Um, so this, but very, very good signing for Villa. For 25 million as well. It's, a, it's an incredible signing. Like, very good signing. Adding Coutinho... Um, and then they also loaned El Ghazi to Everton. Yeah. Like, again, I feel like we're in a simulation, a football manager here. Somebody's <laughs> at the cheat. Somebody's say, like pretending to be Rafa Benitez here and helping out Stevie G um, yeah. <laughs> with these bargain deals. But if you're a Villa fan, you've got to be happy with that. I think, I mean, they're, they're winning the, the transfer window so far in the Premier League. I don't. I don't think there's a... I mean, Newcastle obviously have done well because they, they needed to strengthen, but the calibre of player that Villa have brought in, Coutinho on a loan deal, and I think the the option to buy was... Uh, it's not a huge... I think like it's... 30-something? Like, yeah. Which is bonkers. Like, if he has half a good season, they're 100% going in for him on, on that sort of level. I don't know what his salary is like, that. but... I've seen the Liverpool fans on Twitter being like, well, that we can cross off Stevie G off the next manager list because he's never getting that money here. <laughs> because that FS is it FSG that own yeah, Liverpool? Fen- Fenway, just don't it? just don't spend any money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, twenty five million for in. Luca Dean though is you think if there's clearly something happened there, I think if he wasn't wanting out of the club and there wasn't some sort of disruptive oh, it's atmosphere. been Benitez and him. Yeah. It's been Benitez and him, 100%. They should 100%. be getting a lot more than £25 million for him in the current market. But then you can almost see them, that same back in the manager, 100% back in the manager and saying, like, no players bigger. And they've probably netted out even with what they've, they've spent for a replacement and for a right-back. Yeah, true, but they... They signed him for eighteen million. They've sold him for twenty five, and he's twenty eight years old, and arguably one of the best left backs in the country. I I just, I think they've they obviously wanted to get him out the, of the club, but I think they've yeah they've shown their hand. They're big they time the... showing their hand. Um, I think they could have you know comfortably got another fifteen on top of that. It's just, yeah, I think Villa are definitely the winners in terms of that. I think Benitez will be happy because it's put a mark on the dressing room of don't cross me because it doesn't. Yeah. So it's very Fergie-like. It is very Fergie-like. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, it's it's pushing pushing at a player who's nobody's bigger than the club, no matter how good you are. Long term, it could do him very well. Okay, backfire. Short term, it's not going to endear him any more to those fans because... Spend five minutes on on Twitter with some hardcore Everton fans, and the hatred is is, is pretty pretty clear. Or oh, they've went they've went after um, Balagay, the journalist, because yeah. he's been defending Benitez. 
they've went in hard on him and they've been leaving one star reviews on his new book about Maradona because <laughs> that really hurts. Um, while I'm on, I'm on the, I'm on the, not that we don't do extensive research, but I'm on the Guardian homepage just now for football and um, you've got Liverpool Arsenal are playing currently. Yeah. It's still no no. Got sent off. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not seeing it. I've just seen a picture. Yeah, and it's exactly, I, it's exactly the sort of challenge you would expect them to be sent off. Yeah, for. Grant Jack make... decided that Jota needed three legs to try to break one of them in half. I think. Um, but there's an interesting moving on to Scottish football. There's an interesting article on the front page saying Celtic latest Japanese buys look a bargain and could set a Scottish trend. I'm not going to delve deep into this. <laughs> how do they look a bargain when they've not played a game? Yeah. How like no, it could be an article worth reading because I'd like to know what the substance. I've read it. No, I have read it. I have read it. I didn't want to go into it, but it's it's like oh well, these players might be good, and if they do well, then then you know like haha Rangers. That's <laughs> <laughs> like and I'm like, how is this published? What is this all about? This is a puff piece. That's a PR piece. Um. But while we're on the topic of my favourite hate club in the world, um, they were trying to sign a Australian player named Riley McGree. Um, Riley Patrick McGree. I wonder what why they were so infused with him. Um, Australian player played for Birmingham on loan, I believe. Um, first half of the season. Twitter became a wash. Scottish football Twitter became a wash the last few days of scouting reports, you know, the analytic accounts on, on Twitter. The Celtic one's been like, yeah, he's unbelievable. Like, he brings this, that. Unreal. Ange does it again. Here's his YouTube like, compilation. Right? The, the lot, like, they're all, oh, amazing. He's signing tomorrow in all the papers. He's signing tomorrow. Two million. Ange did it again. He disappeared. Overnight, <laughs> he's signing for Middlesbrough. <laughs> apparently, apparently he was all set to go to Celtic, and then the agent got a better deal for Middlesbrough. I'm like, mate, <laughs> just let mum go to Middlesbrough. Oh dear! Boom, took him down. Done. So, Poster Coglu gave a pe- press conference today. Headlines again on Twitter are like, tells it how it is. What a man! Greatest manager in the world. Great. He literally goes. We're not, we're not signing them and to be honest we're not going to sign anybody else and if you read it they'll send it's lies and they've turned it into like he slams Scottish football press he does this he does that <laughs> it's fucking exhausting man it's so exhausting um, and then on my side of the city the better side um, The Athletic today published a podcast with uh, Mark Chapman the business of football and they had Stuart Robertson the Rangers CEO, managing director, um, on interesting chat. Not really saying anything that if you're a, a Rangers fan like myself that you would get caught out on, but it was quite refreshing to hear someone like him be interviewed by someone like we do outside the bubble of Scottish football mm. and asking genuine questions and saying like, well, how did you build the club back up? How did you get into football? Blah, blah, blah. And his background and um, why? What about letting? Why don't you let the Celtic fans back in for the old firm games? Because what happened was, 
we cut their ticket allocation down to like 800 for a game. And then we decided actually, rather than give them a full stand, 6,000, and we get stuck in the corner of Celtic Park, restricted view, you know what, we'll just sell 5,200 of those tickets, season tickets, and we'll give them 800, and then they can have 800 fans. Because the relationships between the two clubs is completely disintegrated. Um, And that's caused all these headlines. And Rangers fans are just like, what? Who cares? We don't care. And now they say, oh, it's because you're terrified of us. And we're like, you've no beaters in the league since 2019. Like, come on, get a grip. Um, <laughs> so it's, that's been that's what's been happening in Scottish football because there's been no fucking Scottish football. Um, but the, the wise woman, Nicola Sturgeon, has now decreed that, lo and behold, Celtic have signed other players, injury crisis over. Football can have its fans back as of this weekend. Um, so we're Celtic are playing on Monday. We're playing on Tuesday back in the league. These re- rescheduled fixtures. We play on Tuesday and then we play on Friday. Um, it's fucking Tuesday dope. and Friday. But, so bad. yeah, yeah. Friday's a cup game. Oh, fine. Okay. Um, it's on TV, and then Tuesday night against that away at Aberdeen, which will be interesting. Um, but cannot cannot wait to be back in to actually watching my team play football. It's been a long, long time, it feels like. Um, we have not, we have, our biggest kind of team news, we've not brought anyone else in since last week. We obviously released Defoe yesterday, Jermaine Defoe, um, and he went with the best wishes of, I think, every fan, every player, the club, and he released a statement saying the same and signing it off with, the classic WATP, which means we are the people. Um, which is a Rangers chant slogan, which first kind of kicked off because Nathan Patterson and his leaving statement wrote at the end of it, PS, WATP. <laughs> um, and it's been great. So obviously Defoe did the same now. So it started a trend. Unbelievable signing for us. Like It's such a small move to bring him in when when you did so good so good guys the guy's an athlete he's still fit as fit as a he's fiddle. such a good player he's one of those like natural out and out center forwards his finishing's un like unbelievable technique he scored the best the best goal we scored last year and the best goal i've probably seen us score in f- five ten years was him against livingston where tavernier gets the ball on the right hand side comes inside the opponent's half hugging the touchline and just plays a ball over the top right over the top and in the middle of the goal about 14 15 yards out bang center defoe runs with the defender doesn't break stride and side foot passes it left footed into the keeper's left hand side like it's it's the most fluid it's unreal it's just an unreal piece of football and no matter how many times you watch it you have to watch it again to try and understand the physics of what's just happened and only Jermaine Defoe can score that goal because it's so naturally done um, and he scored he scored some big goals he also got his goal against Celtic which meant, meant the world to him he won his league title he'd never won a league title um, he really took the club to heart the fans took him to heart and I know you asked Andy why why 
is he going now? Obviously, he was he was signed by Gerard. It was agreed his new contract was player coach. He wasn't really playing. His coaching as well. He wasn't in the first team bench. The sorts yeah. under Gerard. So then he was starting to pop up. We'd be playing a game at half twelve on a Sunday, and then he'd be on like the four o'clock game on Sky in the studio. And you're like, mate, what's going on here? Um, which was the first kind of oh the Rangers fans are kind of like that's a bit odd. Why is he not involved with the team? Mm. Um, and then under Van Bronckhorst, Van Bronckhorst asked him, um, "What do you want to do? Do you want to be a player or do you want to be a coach? Like right now?" And Defoe went, "I want to play." And I think Gio went, um, "You're not going to get much action here," because he's obviously looking at. Yes, he's came in mid-season. He wants to build a team from here and out. Yeah, it makes sense. And so he's gave what he said to him. Look, I don't want to hold you back. You're obviously at an age. I think he's 38, 39. Yeah. Um, where this is this is the end, like of your playing career. And he said that he's like, I've probably got another six months in me. He wants to see out the end of the season. Um, Where's he going to so go? I think it's a really interesting one because I think I think he he can do a turn for quite a lot of teams still. Granted, he's not got the pace, right? But he's not had the pace for the last ten years. So it's a team that I think he he needs to be in a team that will give him will get him the ball, but not punt the ball up to him. He's not yeah. a single. He's a striker. He's a penalty. He's a predator in the box. Like fucking Newcastle could sign him, and he'd score goals at Newcastle. So, like, if I think if he's going for his his final farewell, six months left of his playing career, I th- I think he's going to go to a club he's previously played for. Right, that's probably the safe bet. But then that that. That really dwindles down the options as well because Spurs aren't signing them. Spurs aren't signing them. West Ham aren't signing them. Sunderland aren't signing them. I don't know. I I don't know. Would he? Well, actually, Sunderland might because he's now engaged to a Scottish woman. You know what? Yeah. Everybody finds love in the most mysterious places. That's all I'm going to say on it. Feel free. To do your own research on this, I am. <laughs> Love is a wonderful thing. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So, um, because yeah, everybody, I'm, I, I can't say anything about this. Um, <laughs> the so she's obviously Scottish, so you might want to stay close to her. Yeah. And her kids. Um. So then Sunderland might be an option, but. Do you want to end his career in League One? I think he wants to end his career playing football week in, week out and scoring goals. So, is that going to happen in the Premier League? I think he could come off the bench for teams in the Premier League um, and probably get a couple of goals. But I, I, I don't know. I really don't know if he's going to want to sit on the bench for the final six months because he could have just done that at Rangers where he was quite happy anyway. He would, it wasn't it wasn't getting on the bench. Yeah, fair enough. That was uh that was the, the kind of main thing. I'm just saying I'm seeing if Twitter's got any hot off the press. 
Sunderland was Sunderland was up there in terms of the searches. Um, Charlton, Charlton, Charlton came up. I guess he's that might make sense. I guess he's from around that way. Yeah, he's down this way, so that that might be a good one. Um, I'm seeing someone. Yeah, someone um at Portsmouth. They're linking him. Yeah, but I think they're just. I, I think they're just saying that out loud, hoping more than anything. Um, but yeah, it'll be an it'll be an interesting one where he lands. But it's just uh, sad to see him go. But as I said, fantastic servant to the club. Really took the club to heart. We have took him to heart. He'll be he'll be one of those players that is hundred percent welcome back. Yeah, all the time, and will and will probably be. They'll offer him some sort of ambassador ambassador role for the club. Um. He, yeah, just a, just a great player. I've sent you off this. I've I've tried to send you the, uh, uh, the goal, but I've somehow sent you the 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 tweet of the guy retweeting that. <laughs> so it's a very it's a very strange tweet. But I was looking at it and I was like, what what am I sending you? But that's the Livingston goal I'm sending you, listeners. Look it up. It's an unbelievable. It was, and the thing about it is, it was his three hundredth goal. And you couldn't have asked for a better a better goal to score your three hundredth career Shame goal. There was no fans in the stadium. I know that's the worst thing about it. Yeah, it's a cracking but the finish. Ro- lovely one touch finish. The roar you hear in the stadium from the, the bench and everybody there is just one of like, un like it's unbelievable. I'm lo- I'm watching it now, guys, and it still it still boggles my mind how he f- he finishes it. He doesn't even break his stride. It's unreal. Um, it's, you got to compliment the the ball that's been put into him as well. The ball's unbelievable. Tav's ball is unbelievable. Um, couldn't have been any better. On a sixpence, I think they used to say. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then related to that, in in a roundabout way, is we have recalled said the Ted, the destroyer of Motherwell, Cedric Etan, Swiss international. Um, he was put out and loaned the one that was on to loan in Germany to the Bundesliga. Yeah, that club that I can't pronounce Gr- the name Grote of. Grotefurth. Yeah. yeah. Um, he scored against Bayern. Well, he was there. He got recalled to the Swiss national team. They're the worst team in the Bundesliga, though. Um, but he he was doing enough in his performances to score against Bayern Munich, and he got recalled to the Swiss national team and scored. Mm. I think this is a very astute recall. Um, he's not been recalled for the sake of it. He's not been recalled because Defoe's went away either. I've been reading reading a lot because there's not been a lot else to do with the football off um, about how Van Bronckhorst's team was set up at Feyenoord and the type of play he likes to do um, and how he utilised Dirk Kuyt as a striker, mm. even though he was very old at the time and stuff. And Van Bronckhorst likes a big forward and Cedric Itten is a big forward but Cedric Itten is not a he's not in the mode of Morelos of link up play Morelos will drop deep pick the ball up back to goal if he's maybe 25 yards out he'll turn and take the man on Drogba style like head down just muscle but then a lot of the time he might drop 40 yards deep take the ball and switch it Etan was asked to do that under Gerard, and he's just he's not that player. 
he really tried. They were trying to model him on Harry Kane in pre-season. <laughs> and I think that's a terrible idea because Harry Kane should not be dropping deep for the ball either. Um, <laughs> but under Gio, he's asked Morelos and he said in an interview, I want my strikers to do their work in the box. I want them to be around the 18-yard box in and about it. I don't want them 40 yards from goal because it doesn't benefit it's us. And now, and now that we're playing with wingers, if we have a front two, if you have Alf, Alfie doesn't play well with others, to be honest, but if you have a front two where you can have, or maybe a, we'll have a front, let's say we have a, a front three, the two wingers and a forward. What we've noticed is sometimes we'll play the winger and the winger will cut in as an inside forward. Right. Maybe a tank can do that. Um, but he then gives us a different option. You're talking about Ralph switching up play and the player still knowing the system. It gives us an option for not relying on Morelos 100% as a main striker. Um, I think the jury's still out on Etan in terms of is he, I hate saying Rangers quality, but is he of the standard that we need? He scored some big goals for us last season. The two against Motherwell when we were we were down. We won nil down against Motherwell and we came back one three one and that was pretty much when we knew we were going to win the league. Um so he's got that and he just tweeted before it was officially confirmed. It was great. He tweeted out um a picture of him holding the league league trophy and he just wrote back for fifty six. Um so it can so yeah, we'll see what happens there. So it feels like an he's a very popular player in the dressing room and stuff, so I think that'll be that'll be good. Um, and then lastly, on the transfer front, it seems the press are saying, like Rangers journalists in the press, are saying that we've signed, we've won the race for John Suter, the Hearts centre-back, who will be available on a oh, pre-signing. Um, any background for people who don't know about John Suter, he signed for Dundee United, um, then Hearts signed him. He's, had, he's ruptured his Achilles three times. He's 25. Um He's had a harsh time of it, but he's not had an injury. He's been back playing since April. Touch wood, no injuries. Um, coming to Rangers is a jinx in itself, though. For players like this, we love signing players like this, <laughs> and they never get they never get a game. Um, but he's been very impressive in the league this season. He's very much been a reason why one of the reasons why Hearts are so high up the table. Mm. Um, brings the ball out from the back. Is isn't afraid to be in the opposition half with the ball. Um, and then someone pulled up stats. Someone was doing a scout report to try and see, and this was unrelated, but try and see like players similar stats to Van Dyke mm. from across Europe. And when they took away, like I think it was when they added in the factor of okay, we'll include like yellow cards and fouls. He was still he was part of that. Okay. So he's he's not he's not as classy as Van Dyke in terms of avoiding the yellow cards and the fouls, but. His ball possession, his, his play from all that was matching. So, sign him on a Bosman, or even it depends what Hearts would take for him. But um, I don't see it as a gamble. Obviously, we've still got we're still quite loose at centre half. So, yeah. if we could try, if we could try and get him in, sounds, try and get him in like now. A, even with the injury concerns, it sounds like a fairly sensible signing. Yeah, he knows the league. It's an opportunity. A couple of teams in England are in for him as well, Blackburn being one, where you can kind of see the, the thought process of he could play in the Premier League next season. Yeah. 
However, he could play in the Champions League next season. And also, it's Glasgow. It's not a million miles away from where he's living now. Yeah. It's an opportunity to, yeah, to win. It's an opportunity to win things in your career versus an opportunity to play in a league. So is he... Um, He's available for free in the summer, but there's potentially a deal on the table in January. Potentially, depend. I think we spoke about this before. How much Hearts wouldn't hold out for, but it does seem that it's the the, the reports coming out of the press last night where it looks like he's agreed with Rangers. It's not been announced yet. Um, mm. I'm just I'm pulling up Twitter now. Someone's just saying it's all but confirmed. Announcement expected tomorrow or Saturday. Um and Robbie Nielsen's came out and said that Rangers, he's a arts manager, Rangers would have to make a crazy bid to sign him. Um and I think we said that before. They've said that already. They only um he's a big he's a big player for them. Yeah. So they wouldn't they probably better to just have him play it out. But then I think it's a risk in that situation because mentally, if he's had these injuries He's got his big move, but it's a pre-contract, and that will be dependent probably on. I don't know how it works, but it'll be dependent on passing the medical at the end of his current contract. Yeah, I think so. So then, would you? It, we've seen it with players when players sign pre-contracts elsewhere, and they kind of they don't. They're not the hundred percent player they were beforehand. Yeah, you don't. You don't see these pre-contract agreements happen so often anymore, or they, they certainly don't get like put into the press too often anyway. Because, uh, like, of exactly that problem. Um, normally, it happens sort of at the end of the season, even though there's probably a, a deal that's you know happened behind the scenes a bit earlier. Because I think now you'd have fans question the. They'd be putting the performances under the microscope, wouldn't they? Like if you if you had a player in your team who signed a pre-contract with another team uh, in January, every time that guy puts a foot wrong when playing for you for the rest of the season, it would be oh, it's because he's leaving. Um, so I think there's there's probably a lot done to like keep keep that out of the press, but they can. Well, there's that, there's that, and there's also maybe like you imagine they're playing Celtic, and the Hearts are playing Celtic. Uh, I don't know, and he takes it one of their best players. <laughs> the the like a couple of games before they played Rangers, yeah. or something like like, and then they'll be like, oh, it's a conspiracy. It's this, it's that. Yeah. It might not be, and it just yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I don't think we'll get them for a Glenn Kamara fifty grand. <laughs> that would be, but nice. <laughs> it'd be lovely. I think the main thing is us keeping. That's a nice segue. Keeping Big Joe, King of Nigeria, Aribo. Um Twitter was a buzz. He was trending on Twitter yesterday um, after his performance for Nigeria, where he played a little bit deeper in a deeper cent- central role um, than we normally ask him to play. Yet he still got the assist. Was it yesterday? Yeah, was it the day I before? Think it was yesterday. Or, yeah. The... Oh no! Was it was it day before? I don't know. The days are all the, still in this weird. The, the manager of Nigeria has managed to do something that Premier League managers fail at week in, week out. He managed to set up a team to keep uh, Mo Salah quiet. Um, I didn't see the game, but I read quite a lot about it afterwards, and it sounds like they did a real job on him. Uh, he just didn't get into the match at all. 
and I do what I watched watched I think thirty minutes of the second half. Um it's fairly the the standard isn't standard's not good. No. Um and it's not been disparaging to AFCON. It's it's just not very good. The pitches aren't great. The atmosphere is the the Vuvuzelas. Um well, it's just brought back terrible memories of that World Cup. <laughs> I, I like culturally I get it, but for the flow of the game, you just lose the, the anticipation noises and the roars and the you, you miss that lull and the quietness and the so I'm not the biggest fan of that. But in terms of what I saw, um Salah's a Simon Salah's the 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 pinnacle of that team, but he ain't no Ronaldo or Bale. Like there's only so much he can do as an individual. Nigeria very much at the back. They played quite a. I want to say they played quite a high line in that they were kind of camped on their eighteen yard box, and then Aribo was pretty much on the D. Most of the time mm. he would pop up, so he was sitting in front of them and. Of, the winger, they normally had a winger kind of tucked out wide, but one tucked in. They never had both wingers playing wide. Um, and it kind of, for the last 20 minutes, it was very much, I would say, between the halfway line and the 18-yard box. A lot of the game was played in the Nigeria half. There was a few chances for Nigeria that I saw. They should have probably taken one or two of them, but the quality is just... Is is no there across the team. I think that's the thing with Afcon, isn't it? Is that there's the, the there's a lot there's a lot more like top quality players um, in a lot of the African nations now because they've scattered across all the leagues and across yeah. all the teams. But the infrastructure for these teams just isn't there, and I feel for them. They must be like, what is going on? It's because it's the pitches like, aren't there. It's sort of like when you're watching. Um, I'd, like if you ever if you ever end up watching any of the like um like the Chinese league or even even the league in the US where you have like real top quality players in each team surrounded by a lot of players that just aren't at the same level and I don't mean that disrespectfully to you know to these these players but if they're playing in a league that has the infrastructure of you know Nigeria, for example, because a lot of their players will be playing in their home country. Um, they 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 don't have the uh, anywhere near the, the the standard of what most of the European countries have. So, no. what you end up with is probably <laughs> two groups of completely different players um, in in each side. I'd say because you've got the players that are you know used to whatever they get in Europe, the training facilities, the money, the the, the coaching, the the lifestyle, the nutrition, like everything compared to something. And I, you know, hands up, I don't know obviously much about the, the Nigerian Football League, the Cameroon Football League, any of these African Football Leagues, but from what the small amount I've seen from the outside in, it looks like it probably doesn't compare on any level whatsoever. So no, you naturally will end up with, yeah, with with players that have had a career and a trajectory and a tuition and a scholarship 
that's totally different from each other. And they have to come together and play as a team. It's a really tough job for a, for a manager to come in, come in and do. Um, I, I guess in a way, though, it kind of makes the whole tournament that, that little bit more interesting um, because you, you you don't know how it's going to go. Like, yeah, is, you know, is Mo Salah going to run the tournament and like destroy every team in front of him and, you know, win it for Egypt? Or are you going to get these couple of gems come out of nowhere and and like light up the tournament in a completely different way? I think we were talking about um, uh, sort of like globalization in football a couple of weeks ago and how the World Cup used to be great like pre-internet because it was your only chance to yeah. see these guys from like Brazil yeah. or somewhere that you'd never heard of before. And it was like a real magic to it. And I think that's a nice thing about the African Cup of Nations for, for most people watching in Europe is it's the similar kind of feeling like you, you know, you you don't know who most of the players are. And it's kind of interesting being able to see that. And it, it, for me, like it takes me back to, to sort of watching the World Cup in like the, you know, mid nineties. It's quite, quite fun. It's it's been an interesting tournament so far. Did you see the game uh, the last night? The refereeing issue. If anyone listening hasn't seen this, um, the referee blew full time after eighty five minutes. The players go inside, protest. Some of the teams. What was the opposite? Was it Algeria that no, protested? It was Tunisia. Tunisia. And... Tunisia. Oh God, who were they playing? Was it? I want to say it was tell Mali, you. but I can't remember. I want to say Mali as well, um, but we should have really... Yeah, it was Tunisia and Mali. Tunisia and Mali. So they were 1-0, Tunisia were 1-0 down, and they obviously protest, so the referee brings them back out. Then they're playing, right? They're playing on. There's been like something like eight subs, nine subs. There were a ridiculous amount of subs, like nine subs, um, and a red card. So there's going to be a fair amount of stoppage time at the end of the game. Um, and he blows the whistle in the 89th minute and does it again. And <laughs> so then <laughs> this has happened. They're all going mental. They go in, um, protest again. But by this point, I believe the Tunisian players had went into like their ice baths or something. That's right, which is why they wouldn't and come back out. They took the, the Mali team went out and then got awarded the win um, because the Tunisians never came out. Um, and now I'm reading that the referee has, has apparently got sunstroke <laughs> and I'm like oh you feel like I really feel for them because I think it's fair what like, Ian Wright and that came out and said this week around don't shit on the African Cup of Nations you wouldn't shit in the Euros you wouldn't shit in the Copa America yeah, completely. it's not fair right and so we treat it with the respect but then the infrastructure in place you have events like this happen and you're just like, oh, God, man, like, oh, don't. It just makes it look so unprofessional and so just, like, bizarre. Like, you just, yes, there's, we've seen English referees do it at World Cups, book the same player three times and all this kind of stuff. I was about that. Um... So it does happen, but to do it, like, do it once, like that, like, that's a bad example. Call the game twice and then turn it. You get sunstroke as well, and I think it was a night game. So I'm trying to wonder, I'm trying to understand what's happened here. Um, but you do feel for them. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's not the attention that they need. And like I I read quite a lot about what um what some of the ex pros and the pundits were saying, and like I, ha- I hadn't previously thought about it before, but they're totally right. Um, there is like a probably unintentional, but there's a definite sort of like disrespect in ways towards the African Cup of Nations. And I I honestly think where it comes from is the fact that it disrupts the Premier League season. I don't think it's intentionally done in any other way. I think it's because if you've got some, you know, if a couple of your star players, African players, you hate it when the African Cup of Nations comes around because you have to lose them for, for a month. Um, so, you know, I think that that sort of frustration and negativity then gets passed on to the tournament itself. And the the, the idea that clubs can tell players not to go, I think is ridiculous. Um, I think it might have been Ian Wright that was saying, yeah, you, know, was. you wouldn't tell Harry Kane not to play in the World Cup because he's got to go and put a Spurs shirt on. And he's, he's absolutely right. I think clubs should always come before country. Sorry. Country should always come before club in that respect. When it's a big tournament, um, fine not letting a player go for a friendly game. But like you're talking about, you know, people representing their country at World Cup aside, like the biggest tournament, the biggest opportunity Absolutely. they have. And it's ma- it's massive in Africa. Like people yeah. people underestimate and and were taught the maps were shown growing up and stuff. Africa is not the size that we are taught. Africa is a huge. Huge and the infrastructure that when we were talking about like pre internet days of like not seeing players and the World Cup being that thing for a lot of African nations, that's what AFCON is for them. Yeah, absolutely. There'll be a lot of Africans watching that tournament who have never seen Joe Aribo play because he plays in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, like, like stuff like that. And so that's why Twitter yesterday Joe Aribo was trending and it was a lot. A lot of African people tweeting saying like Joe Arable, what a player. A lot of English people tweeting going, he's very good. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and then I was popping up like proud parents being like, ah, he's good. He's not that good though. He's not that good. Don't take him. Don't take him from us. Um, but it's been it's a tournament that at this stage it feels very much like the the way the Champions League feels at the, the group stage of just like, right, just get this over and done with and get yeah. to the, the knockout stages. Yeah, that's so right. The there, can there's, a, there's a few good sides in there um, that, you know, possess some good players that we know of and probably possess a few good players we don't know of because uh, there's, there's, I imagine there's quite a few players in there from clubs in probably France, maybe Belgium, uh, Germany also as well and my knowledge of those leagues isn't isn't fantastic, and you know there'll, there'll be players that I can watch there that I I won't have sort of previously seen before. So yeah, I think there's it's a it's a it's a cool tournament to watch for an opportunity to like learn a bit. I think um, the coverage has been terrible here. I don't know how it is in Norway or that, but they it's literally like um, pulled footage. Sky's doing it, but it's pulled footage with like. Remember the Eurosport commentators you used to get who <laughs> yeah. were blatantly locked in a cupboard somewhere <laughs> who knew nothing about the game? That's that's what we're getting on Sky Sports. And people are tweeting, like a lot of Scottish people are tweeting saying it's good to see that Sky are doing the same coverage that they do for the SPFL <laughs> of just like absolutely half arse and throwing it together. Oh, what a shambles. 
Well, other news in football, as I said, Scotland's doing its Scottish thing. The SPFL, who can't change rules mid-season, decided to change a rule mid-season today. Um, they're now enforcing five substitutes per game instead of three after Ange Postacoglu recommended it. So the, <laughs> I'm not the, even joking. they're changing the substitute <laughs> yep, rule. changing the substitute rule mid-season. Um to help with the fight against COVID, apparently. You know how COVID just disappeared at the start of the season? Um, despite us at the time of that being like, mm, maybe you should keep that in. And they were like, no, back to free. And how then I'm supposed to. I don't understand either. As in the players I don't, don't have to play like a full 90 minutes as often? Is that it? I don't, I don't know. It benefits, don't get me wrong, it benefits. Teams like Rangers and Celtic who have bigger squads and more quality on the bench. Um, I don't see how it benefits the other teams. Apparently, again, 75% of the teams voted for it, so I'd be intrigued to know who didn't vote for it. Um, but that was voted through the day, so they had to have a chuckle of just how much contradiction there is in that SPFL executive board. There's a, there's another Saints player heading up to Scotland actually. Um, so Jake Vokens is currently on loan at Ross County. I don't think he's played too many games. He actually got quite a bad injury like really early in the loan but Ross County have just taken another fullback from us on loan or they're about to. Uh, Kane Ramsey who's on loan at Crew Alexandra at the moment is uh, having that loan cancelled and then going up to Ross County for some reason. So he's he's a right back. Um, he was actually the guy that made his debut for Saints. Maybe not his debut, might have been his second game, playing right back when me and you went and saw Southampton against Man City a few years ago. Right, okay. And we were like, this guy's going to get torn apart by City. And he actually had a reasonable game. I think he's about... 20 years old now maybe he's... was that who was that who we were going to select as man of the match yeah yeah that's right <laughs> and they never asked us um but yeah yeah Kane Ramsey's he's been out on loan a few times and he still looks a decent prospect I think he he's he's going to need to have a good loan season somewhere soon maybe this is it but he's yeah young right back it'd be interesting to see how he does up at Ross County um obviously he's going to be sort of playing in that defence he's going to be pretty busy so it's probably a decent move for him under the the charming man I didn't of want Mark to Mackay. the manager but yeah he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's uh, playing under Mr Mackay um, hopefully all's, all's well but um, yeah it could, be, it could be a good signing for them but it's interesting that they've taken two young fullbacks from us who arguably don't look like they're going to get near our first team at any point I wonder if they're looking at using us in the same way that we're using Chelsea and just <laughs> taking their young players and, and seeing what we can do with them. Seeing if they can maybe show something that then another team will come in yeah. and pay some money for them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I've got a doubly renewed interest in Ross County now, so let's let's see how that goes. Well, as long as we continue to pump them and they continue to make it really hard for Celtic, then I'll be cheering <laughs> them on. Uh, I'll put a word in. Um other than that, I don't think there's there's too much else going on in the. There's been bit there's been bits and pieces. I'm going to whiz through it. Let's try and do this in five minutes. Try and keep this podcast under an hour and a half this week, <laughs> when there's been no Scottish football. <laughs> yeah, we're doing well. Thank the listeners that make the whole way through. 
and we know they're awesome because I can see the analytics. Well done, guys. This is for you, this quick five-minute roundup. So let's do <laughs> this it. This is what you're waiting the, for. The um, UEE, UE, so let me say that again, UAE Super Cup. Sorry, the Spanish Super Cup, which just happens to be played over there. Um, last night, so Real Madrid and um, Real Madrid beat Barcelona with an extra time goal. So they're into the final. Why the semi-final was played over there, I'm not quite sure. Nothing to do with money, I wouldn't have thought. No, nothing at all. So that happened. Um, it's just quite funny when I see... I, I know that I'm, I've am i not got the latest edition of FIFA because I'm looking at the players that scored and I'm like, okay, the winning goal was scored by Valverde. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> no idea. Um, I've obviously... I just don't have the time. I'm finally understanding when my dad used to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you must know that player. No idea. <laughs> yep, I am at that stage of my life. Um, I am a monster, proclaims Alexi Sanchez, who scored the winner in stoppage time of extra time last night in the Supercoppa to beat Juventus. Um, 2-1 for Inter. So that, that was quite exciting because I'm sure there's quite a lot of English football fans who would call Alexi Sanchez a monster. In, Fucking in, in, in lazy, lazy monster. Yeah. Um, uh, I was quite happy to see that result because Juventus don't deserve anything at the moment, in my opinion. And it was sort of their one chance for a bit of glory this season. And they, they cocked it up last minute. Um, so that, that, was, that was kind of nice. Then we also have the Bundesliga, where there's quite a lot of strange defeats. But COVID played a big part. Yeah, because Bayern Munich lost at home to Mönchengladbach 2-1. I think they were winning 1-0 as well. Um, yep. So that was a weird result. And then you're like, oh, finally, like the, the gap might close and maybe maybe Germany will have a bit of a season again. And then Dortmund went 2-0 down away to... It was, was it Frankfurt they were playing, I think? Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, who were a good yeah. side. Um, and then, yeah, three goals in the second half, they went, went and won it. So they've closed the gap a bit, but... It just I'd see Dortmund dropping more points in the next sort of you know few game weeks and that gap will open back up again. Is unfortunately has become the most boring league, oh, second most boring league. I forgot about the French one. Yeah, French one. We've not got any updates there aside from it's a very unhappy camp at PSG. Kill surprise. Um, and you've got Mbappe's going to Real Madrid. It seems we'll just wait for that. Everybody's slowly counting down those days. Poch is apparently going to Man United, but then I've seen that uh, Den Haag has been linked again, and apparently there's a fight in the boardroom where Big Ralph is saying, I want Den Haag, and the board are saying, we want Poch. So again, Man United make more unrest. I mean, just really difficult for themselves. We need to decide when we're going to do our Man United special podcast. We did threaten it a couple of months ago, um, but maybe we'll wait till the end of the season because picking apart that football club over the last 12 well, months. Well, they've, they've put Ronaldo out for some PR interviews today and yesterday I've seen. Um, they weren't very good either. No. You could tell he was, you could tell it was a PR interview. Yeah, I didn't come here to finish 6th or 7th or 5th. <laughs> We're going to... Yeah, we must finish 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. Spoken like a true runner. Um, <laughs> like, what is going on? 
but yeah, I think that that pretty much rounds it up. Who is your next game? We're away against? to Wolves, um, which I'm normally that'll be tough. Normally, I predict a result pretty quickly, and to be fair, I'm never that far away. Not not normally. I predict a three-one for Brentford, and it turned out four-one, which I was pretty happy with. This Wolves one though is so tricky. Wolves have got, I think, the shittest attacking record in the league this season and the the best defensive record outside of the top two. I think they've scored 14, conceded 14 in like 20 matches. They're poor fans. Um but like how do you how do you predict what's gonna happen there? We've started scoring more goals recently, but you know, we're still susceptible to conceding, but Wolves don't like to have a shot. Who like it's got nil nil written all over it, but we don't typically do nil nils. <laughs> Go on, say it. Say no. We're gonna win one nil. You're gonna win one nil, right? Guys, put on free each draw. Free each. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Well, we've got, as I said, we've got Aberdeen on Tuesday. It's a tricky start back there. Yeah. Oh well, this is why it was so frustrating before they called it early. It was going to be we had. Aberdeen, then Celtic, back-to-back, away from home, and we were comfortable. We were down for it. We were momentum. We were positive. We had no fear. And now we're having to pick it back up as a standing start. But again, the the new management team, well, relatively new now, um, have had time on the training pitch. So this will be, it'll be really good to see. And Alfie... Alfie posting Instagram stories, all the Rangers players saying Defoe, great to work with, blah, blah. Alfie posted, fuck all, except his player of the month. Alfredo Morelos won player of the month for December in Scotland. Absolutely delighted. Gio Van Bronckhorst won manager of the month. A wee cheeky double. I don't think, I don't think Alfie's ever won player of the month somehow. I need to look up that up, but um, he also posted on his Instagram him for the first time I've ever seen it, in a gym, doing crunches <laughs> with a medicine ball between his legs, looking svelte. Maybe he's been taking Photoshop lessons in the uh, in the winter. Honestly, Al- Alfie's coming back like a man possessed. He's seen Chris Wood get his twenty five million pound move, and he's like, "Are you fucking? Are you kidding me on? Right, fine, I'm going to show you." And I know for a fact he's gunning. He's gunning for Haaland. You'll be yeah. on the pitch with him against Dortmund being like, fuck you. I'm going to show you how to score goals. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting a marker down here now. Alfredo Morelos will score more goals in that leg than Haaland. All right. <laughs> uh, I've just fucked his hammer. Yeah. <laughs> quite, quite possibly. That was... Um, <laughs> that, that was That's my punch. ending statement. Um, I, I have one more thing I... I have to mention I, I was uh, I, I meant to say this so much earlier and I completely forgot about it. But um, there was a there was a tweet uh, midweek from some sort of random Saints fan. One of those like you know I'll um, you know can shout out for uh, this this person I know who's you know had some misfortune. Can can you do something for them, please, Saints players? Um, you know the tweet. You see him all the time. Yeah. This guy's posted. Um, 
Little brother fractured his ankle on the weekend playing football and can't make the trip to Wolves now. Can the lads do anything to cheer him up? And then he's tagged Lianco, who's our sort of new Brazilian centre-back, and tagged the club as well. And Lianco, both on and off the pitch, has become a bit of a fan's favourite. And people were... He just seems a bit nuts in a lovely, endearing way. Um, he scares the shit out of me on the pitch because some of the things he does are just bizarre. Uh, but hopefully Ralph will train that out of him. But I, I like his uh, I like his enthusiasm. He's he runs around with a bit of a rocket up his ass, and he's just he's sort of a bit of a David Luiz in a way, but right. in in maybe a good and a bad way. Uh, but you know, Brazilian defenders either take a long time to settle in England or they just don't. So I'm hoping it's the former. But he's pretty active on social. This guy and he's he's um he's entertaining. <laughs> Lianco's replied to this guy who's asked if Saints can do anything for, for his brother who's got the, the fractured ankle. And he said, yes, I can help him to be happy. Tell him it was just his foot. There are people much worse off and needing hospitals, respiratory help, people losing their lives. His foot is going to get better. This is football. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's... <laughs> He's not even thought about like how people are going to react to that. He's thought, this is my feeling on it. And this is <laughs> this is what everyone's gonna hear. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant, and to, to be fair, like the like everything he says is spot on. And I I guess he's a guy that's I, I don't I don't know anything about his background, but you know, there's a lot of a hell of a lot of like poverty in Brazil, and I I wonder if a little bit of it came from from that of you know just be grateful for what you've got. Obviously, there's a little COVID undertone in there as well, maybe, but I just. It does wind me up sometimes when you see all of these, like, you know, it's all the fans in the stands now, isn't it? With a, can I have your shirt? Can I have your boots? All of this sort of thing. And I just, it was great just to see like a player speaker's mind for a change. Just wait, I've had that. Yeah, no. Yeah, just no. I'll help help him. Man up. Yeah. It's It's pretty much it. And do you know what? I think they might not have liked that response, but that kid will be able to dine out on that story for years to come. So... He might not have got a free football shirt or a free ticket out of it, but he's got a really good story, and that's going to last a lot longer. Well, at least it at least it knows how to use Twitter. Yeah. You remember that tweet from um, Wayne Rooney? Which one? The one. Um, <laughs> the one. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pull it up so I get it. Bang on! It's the real Ferdinand, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember the one. Where he tweeted this, I think the tweet still exists. Yeah, April twenty third, twenty eleven, at one fifty three a.m. Wayne Rooney tweets, "Hi Rio, do you want picking up in the morning, pal?" <laughs> <laughs> doesn't he tag him? Doesn't he do anything? Literally just writes that and it's sent. But she's still, I think that's still my. I've, I still think that's my that's my pinnacle footballer tweet. Oh, it's, um, yeah, you're not going to find many better than that. It's fantastic. And that, <laughs> I think, is a a wonderful insight into the probable intellect of Wayne Rooney. That said, he, he could well become championship manager of the season if he manages we will, to keep Derby up. I think next week we'll discuss Wayne Rooney and Derby because I think that's a really interesting side note. So let's take note of that. We'll discuss what he's doing Absolutely. there. Because um, he is actually doing a phenomenal job. And we can also discuss John Terry's 
new obsession and foray into the world of <laughs> oh NFTs. I, I read about this the other day. I got so angry I had to close the article. So let, let's pick that up. So guys and gals, thanks a lot for listening. Please do tweet us at Away Days Pod if you have anything to say or ask. Please reveal yourself because we have listeners from all over the world and we don't know who the hell they are. Um, it'd be interesting. I do suspect a Brazilian listener is Mario Jardel, <laughs> the forever linked to Rangers player. Um, if not, then hopefully it's someone who's a family member of Lianco and has just really appreciated me shouting out that tweet. You know, it could be. It very well could be. They're just like they're just waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be great to find out some more about these. We'll put some questions up. I think we'll also probably we'll have quite a bit of football chat next week. Like a lot of games going on between now and then. We'll get into that. But please do join us for our NFT special featuring John Terry, Bold Apes, Weird Bananas, Squiggly Bits of Art. And other scams. <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. All the best. Speak to Speak you later on. Cheers. Bye. Bye.